Coming to you from the Business Continuity Center of the League in New Hamburg, Ontario, it's The Weekly Show, the solo edition as hosted by me, Garth Newton. Neither Jeremiah nor Nick could make it work this week, so I'm going to give it a go solo and see if we can't make it work. There's too much at stake this late in the season, and The Weekly Show must go on. Week 18 saw an odd competition between the Redacted and Evil Division of Evil, as well as the Jeffrey Jungle versus Twice the Division. With only two weeks remaining after this week, there were still a number of stories to play out. Did Ryan's streak end? Did Nick catch up to Ben? Or did Stads catch up to me? Stay tuned, my friends. We're about to dive right in. There's no better place to start than what I'm going to go ahead and call the matchup of the week, the battle of two division leaders with playoff implication attached, the measure of force going up against the Star Boys in a titanic battle, just brawling back and forth all week long. The two top scoring teams at the end of the week and... I lost by 0.1 points. This has got to be the closest matchup that I can remember seeing. Obviously, anything closer would be a tie at this point. But it all came down to a meaningless home run by Xander Bogarts in the bottom... Nope, sorry. The, well, the ninth inning. I can't remember the bottom of the top. It doesn't really matter anymore. But in the ninth inning with two outs on a score that didn't make a difference, and it got him every last point that he needed to come out on top. Now, this is in spite of a week where all week long I felt like I was trailing. Uh, I just felt like I was always in reach, and yet... I never quite got there until the Sunday when I put down my own very large week and had one of my best scoring weeks of, of the season, for sure, but uh, not enough to, to overcome. Paul Goldschmidt had an absolutely ludicrous week, putting up 46.3 points by himself. The only reason I was competitive at all is because Charlie Morton put up 46.5 uh, as the overall top scorer of the week. But regardless, uh, this, this felt like it was a, a almost a matchup of my depth versus, you know, eventually what ended up being Ben's top end with Goldschmidt and Kana both uh, scoring more than 35 with Jose Urquidy at, at north of 30 as well. In the end, I couldn't do enough. I once again put up the second best point total of the week and don't win. This is starting to get frustrating, my friends. Starting to get frustrating. The implications, however, are a little bit deeper. Um, basically, with the two division leaders here facing off, as well as the two uh, sort of second place teams in these respective divisions facing off this week, and not that much distance between their records accordingly, wins and losses this week absolutely mattered. And in fact, Ben needed this week, this win this week, to stay ahead of a charging Nick who, in facing off against the Staddle Monstars, pulled out a 275.6 to 252.4 win in another huge high-scoring matchup. These were the number three and the number five scoring teams of the week. And as I said, Nick came out on top, keeping pace with Ben, which is the interesting aspect, because ben, if Ben had lost, Nick would have been right there. 
And with two weeks to go, who knows how it would have happened. So Nick keeps pace. Stads falls off a bit. Uh, had a very balanced week uh, between the offense and the pitching this week for Stads. Otani had a good week overall. Vladdy got north of 20 points as well. Um, but Nick built up a 25-point advantage early in the week. And Nick just couldn't, couldn't, well, sorry, Nick could. Stads just couldn't overcome that. Uh, Nick Pavetta put up a a good two-start 32-point week. Gosman had a 22-point game. DeGrom still coming on. Verlander looked pedestrian, but it didn't matter. Uh, Nick put up almost 200 points from pitching alone, which might be a little bit of concern. It does speak to where Nick's Entire team has shifted now. It's all pitching. If Nick gets the right two-start pitchers, and he's got a lot of pitchers to prove from, to, to choose from, if he picks the right two-start pitchers in any one week, he could take down anybody. He is a scary, scary matchup in the playoffs right now. And as it stands right now, he's in. He is still the number eight seed with two weeks left to go. I've said it for the last couple of weeks, but he managed to hold on long enough while DeGrom was out and hurt to be able to find DeGrom healthy when it mattered. And goodness me, it matters right now. A 275.6 point total beats almost every other team this week. So every other team needs to be looking at Nick a little bit more seriously if they haven't been already. As I mentioned before, Nick's win doesn't get him any closer to the division title, but it keeps the pressure on Ben. Stads, on the other hand, couldn't make up ground on me, but he also didn't lose ground, so he still has the opportunity to take the division if he wins out and I lose the rest. All right, moving on to the third match of the, of the week between the Redacted and the Evil Division of Evil. This time, we're going to focus in the heart of Europa. And we have Garth continuing his odd assault on the 500 record with his third straight win with a 228.4 victory over Kaminsky's The Illuminati, who put up a 223.0. Garth now has a 7-10 record on the season, and the cliche lives on. I don't know who out there thought that he'd be in reach of a 500 season three weeks ago, sitting four and 10, but here we are. Strider had another big week, although he only threw 11 pitches. Getting 30 points on 11 pitches, or sorry, 11 innings pitched, I should say, takes some some effort. Uh, and additionally, he, he's got uh, JT Brubaker, who performed well, and Jordan Montgomery. This guy has to be giving the New York Yankees front offices nightmares. He has done ridiculous things for St. Louis, looking like a completely different pitcher, looking like he could be a Game 2 or Game 3 starter for St. Louis, and wasn't good enough for the Yankees starting five, who, let's check the notes, yeah, they've sucked. They've sucked out loud for months now. It's a very interesting move, but Garth gets to take advantage of it. And it was a good thing because it was all pitching for Garth this week with the offense unable to crack even 50 points this week and one of the lowest scoring offensive totals uh, that I've seen for a winning team in some time. The interesting aspect of this matchup isn't just that 
you know, Garth has got all of this great pitching that that pulled through in the clutch, or even his his three week win streak. It's that Kaminsky shot himself in the foot with a pickup of free agent uh, Dylan Coleman. Uh, cost him 25 points those 25 points is the matchup in this he had big weeks from mcneil and winker uh bohm did well as well uh michaelis gray and Steele were all solid uh but i think actually the guy that i was think i was most impressed with this week was pete fairbanks uh just looking ridiculously strong from the tampa bay bullpen as he has when he's healthy uh, just a fantastic free agent pickup by by mike about seven weeks ago as I mentioned, this is the heart of Europa. No real changes for either team. Um, they're both right there and going to be strong competitors in Europa. Although, technically speaking, due to the weakness of the redacted division, Kaminsky still has a chance at the eighth playoff seed. This week cost him in, in that respect. And so while that chance exists, I would say it's fairly unlikely. All right, continuing to move on down the list of division versus division matchups here, we've got the Chaos Reign Supreme facing off against the Bash Brothers, and it's Jeremiah coming out on top, 210.7 to 196.2. Huge weeks by Bregman and Von Grissom, uh, another solid pickup for, for Jeremiah, gets him this win. Bregman has been a man possessed for several weeks now and is terrifying to look at if you're in a matchup across from him at this point he managed to luck into one of Barrios's good starts uh chris bubich stapled a twin four run uh kind of lemon out there so didn't quite work out all the way that uh, the jeremiah would have liked his bullpen was also very good uh this week and has been in good in general at this point i think jeremiah is going to be very tough in europe I, th I see him easily being one of the top four teams i know he said on slack this week that he was uh, he didn't want to be in the playoffs because he was going for that first overall pick well you know what i think he's got a, a team good enough to be able to do that so i'm happy he's happy for RKR, though, uh, this was a weak showing by Juan Soto and Ty France, which really, really left him hanging. Tristan McKenzie continues to be just ridiculous, basically Cy Young in the second half of this year. And Merrill Kelly was solid in uh, in the two starts. He just continues to look good. Uh, they, he was in a one-for-one -one swap uh, for Herman Marquez at the trade deadline with my team. And honestly, I, I thought I was selling high on Merrill Kelly a bit while buying low on Herman Marquez, and it just turns out that Merrill Kelly just might be better than Herman Marquez, just period, straight up, no questions asked. And and realistically, with with or without Merrill Kelly, uh, RKR's team still still looks good. O'Neal Cruz, Nick Lodolo, Shane Baz, Grayson Rodriguez, they're all sitting in his minor league system just waiting to be called up. And I mean... That's some excitement. You you can feel good if you've got if you get to add an O'Neill Cruz and a Lodolo and a Baz to your your lineup today, which he could be doing, and maybe maybe should be doing if he wants to make a run at the uh, at the Europa. But regardless, they're definitely going to be on his squad next year. Uh, it's that's a pretty scary uh, scary combination of of players that he's going to be able to pull into matchups for some time to come. And now we will sort of, we'll finish 
the uh, the last of these division v division mac matchups and we see uh the raccoons complete the division sweep that's right the evil division of evil goes a perfect five and oh against the redacted division once again proving just how bad my division truly is uh with a 199.9 uh total for the raccoons overcoming flex's 175.8 the thing that hurts me the most about this matchup is that uh marcus stroman put up 25 points which is exactly what Mark needed to get past Flex this week, uh, which also, for what it's worth, moves the raccoon out of the vase with two weeks left. So a fairly, fairly important thing. Uh, Eugenio Suarez was also instrumental this week. Um, he was sort of at the top of a, uh, a pretty balanced hitting and pitching week uh, for, uh, for Mark. But, I mean, also, you know, Seiya Suzuki and Sonny Gray both looked pretty good. And I want to call out the Franimal. Uh, Franmel Reyes had a, I mean, he had a, a pretty good week, but most of that was still against the Nationals. So I'm not, I'm not buying it yet. I mean, good find if, if it works out. I mean, good work, but he's, he's not the one for me. Flex, on the other hand, this leaves him squarely in the vase. Uh, I do not see, I mean, the path is there. I don't see Flex able to take the path that gets him into Europa, even sliding in. Uh, the brothers Logan of Webb and Gilbert, they're both looking really, really tired of late. And Joe Adele is playing again, but it's almost as painful to watch as C.J. Abrams at this point. I mean, it's it's hard to say it, but I mean, there's a lot of future hope for Flex's team, but it's it's just not built for this year. So now we're, we're at the halfway point. We've cleared out two divisions. We've cleared out five matchups. I'm going to take a pause here to take a drink of beer, and uh, I'm going to let the sound engineers add a commercial or whatever, if they should wish. I should point out that uh, today's solo edition of the weekly show is being brought to you by Bone Shaker, unfiltered India pale ale, 7.1% alcohol, labeled a strong beer. I label it delicious. All right, now, as we dive into the second half, we're going to watch the other two divisions once again face off. Very interesting way to do it, league management. Interesting, interesting. And we get sort of the other sort of key matchup this week, the matchup that saw the other two division leads uh, facing off against one another with the Mad King against Size Matters. And while I called the upset, I'm the one left holding the bag here. Uh, Ryan holds on despite being behind for more than half of the week, finishing with a 249.9 to Chow's 213.4. A big Sunday was the difference. He outscored Chow by 47 points on Sunday alone to bring it home. The overall point total is lower than I would expect from Ryan's team on average. Uh, <laughs> Jared Walsh is not helping that in the least. But still, in the end, Ryan's team remains one of the powerhouses in this league, and he pulled it out when it mattered. He found the strength when it was needed, and he got it done. With only two weeks left in the regular season, he faces off against Aiden and Kaminsky. So there it is, league. You've got Aiden and Kaminsky uh, to put all of your hopes on to end Ryan's undefeated regular season place bets now 
Jeffrey Chow, however, has to feel almost as bad as I do this week uh, with a Sunday loss. While I only lost by one or by point one point, he only actually got 1.7 total points from his entire team on Sunday, and that just has to hurt. I mean, he had maxed out his starters, so that makes sense. So, like, he could obviously get no more starts on the Sunday, but his bullpen had only one guy get any playing time in uh, Eric Swanson. And four other guys on his offense put up a negative number. So obviously he would have needed some stellar offense to be able to to keep pace with the, the 47 points that, that Ryan put up. But 1.7 was never going to be enough. Still, this team I would still call freaky good. But he's got a challenger in his rearview mirror. Tillo has been coming on. Uh, he's got a, a lengthy win streak now. I believe he had three wins coming into this past week. Uh, and this loss puts Tillo within striking distance of taking the division, which would flip-flop how the first-round matchups would look entirely. And because we like segues around here, we might as well jump into that matchup next, where we saw the fourth-quarter Jimmy Butler team for Tillo playing off against the Squirtle Squad. So another... Uh, big matchup with the number two seeds from the respective divisions facing off against one another and Tillo manages to kick the Squirtles when they are down in a very down week to grab his 12th win this season, a fourth in the row, really putting pressure on Chow to be able to hold that division lead as we get into the last two weeks. Incredibly, nobody scored more than 20 points for Tillo this week (laughs) and every single New York Yankee on his roster had at best, a mediocre week if you look at Cole, or just worse when you consider the rest of them. But it was enough. Um, I'm actually I'm pretty happy with where uh, Betts is at this point. He is looking like he's just staying hot uh, into September, which makes the Dodgers kind of terrifying as well. But, I mean, it's, it's going to do wonders for Tillo, too, if he can just keep that going. Meanwhile, the rest of his pitching staff is just cruising along. I did take a peek at the minors just to see if there's anything that Tillo's going to bring to bear, and he's got Mitch White and Jose Miranda right there, ready to go. They're getting regular playing time now. They could be interesting additions going into the playoff if Tillo needs some help in in one matchup or another. The Squirtle Squad on the other half found their fourth loss, and while I won't say that they're coasting, they do already have a clinch. They've already clinched a spot this week uh, in the playoffs, and they have just a pair of weak opponents coming up in the next two weeks. So maybe, maybe they are coasting. This does kind of showcase where some of the vulnerability could come from the Squirtle squad. However, they only got seven starts. They only got 55 points from the offense. Robbie Ray was the only starter to put up more than 15 points in this week. This looked pretty vulnerable. If they throw a 182 in the, in the playoffs, they could, they could be out in a hurry. So we'll we'll have to see. I, I I also tried to take a look at what they could call up, but honestly, that list is just intimidatingly long. So I scanned like six names in, saw Matt Brash. So sure, Matt Brash uh, could add some depth. He's got some nice SPRP eligibility, though it would mess with their SP cap. So I don't know. Who knows? There could be somebody of the 30 people in their low minors that, that might work out, but I, I'm not looking. And moving on, uh, let's jump over to uh, the next matchup and let's see. Ah, yes, the Husan Alliance. 
putting up a 243.1 to a woeful 155.8 by Ash's Moneyballers. Jamil obviously takes advantage of a very weak showing by Ash and keeps on trucking his way into the wild card. Uh, Johnny Cueto, of all people, led all scorers <laughs> pitching 16.2 innings uh, in this past week, and that was against Houston and Cleveland, two teams that are just known to just put the ball in play a good amount. So I'm betting the White Sox wished that they could stay healthy and maybe win a couple times so that Johnny Cueto could lead them into the promised land. Okay, that's a little hard for even me to swallow. The rest of, uh, of Jamil's pitching was solid, uh, though Zach Wheeler put up a, a poorer-than-expected shoring. Daniel Bard, however, uh, he's apparently still playing, so good job Colorado signing him. It turns out that it's really, really working out. So with this win, this, this gives Jamil a strong spot now. Uh, there's two weeks left to play. He could challenge Chow in the first round. I'm not expecting it, but we'll see. Ash, on the other side, won't be challenging anyone outside of the Vase this year. Uh, this 155 was a league low for the week. Uh, he would have lost to literally every other team, which still blows my mind because when I look at this team on paper, it should be much better than this every week. With Devers and Eloy, Springer, and then he's got Dylan Cease and Freddie Peralta. Like, that is a strong enough core that should be enough. But between the injuries and the bad luck, it's just not happening. And if you really need to see what injuries and bad luck look like together, go go watch what happened to Eloy getting hit with 102 mile an hour, uh, mile an hour fastball in the elbow uh, earlier this week. The sound that that made was insane and that hit pad people bryson stott however nick prado sitting there on his minor league they're both getting the the playing time that they need bryson stott's swing looks harper-esque i i was watching a comparison gif between the two and it's kind of uncanny but uh you know good for philly might be time for uh might be time for the farm team to call up the farm team to get some help Moving on, we got the Amaranth sub versus the director of the FFFBPA. And this went exactly the way you expected it to. Uh, we've got an Aiden win at 247.4 over Chris's 201.5. Chris had good performances by uh, Freeman and Dean Creamer, but it just didn't work out. Aiden's top-end talent is much too much. And it was nice to see that Chris is still so active. Like, he's making moves. I think he had 10 starts this week. He's still making things move around, and 201 is a better point performance than he's put up in the past, but still, it's just not, it's not enough. I mean, Kyle Wright, I suppose you can be excited about. Uh, likewise, Freddie Freeman. But even in the minor leagues, I guess his one best hope is that Kyler Murray turns it around for his team next year. It's a bit awkward. Aiden, however, uh, he just sort of did what Aiden does. He, he rode some extremely solid pitching, which, for what it's worth, almost beat Chris by itself. I think they were within 10 or 15 points of doing just that. Cortez, however, is the only pitcher getting wins in New York. And 
Zach Gallen put up his third straight 20-point outing, which or sorry, 20-plus point outing, which really sort of puts in perspective just how strong uh, Aiden's pitching staff is, as we keep saying, week over week. On the hitting side, Arenado was great again. Uh, Adam Frazier, uh, I don't know, <laughs> found a time machine and went back to when he was good uh, and put up a solid number for a week. So maybe that's a breakout, which I'm not expecting, but stranger things have happened. Looking at the overall, though, Aiden is currently still on the outside of the playoffs. Technically speaking, he's not eliminated yet. So there's a small chance. What's going to bite him, though, is his conference record. He's only got four wins and now seven losses, which is easily the worst of anyone still in contention for the playoffs. And Given that that's one of the tiebreakers, that really, really doesn't bode well. So I'm thinking Aiden is probably going to be the class of Europa this year. And yeah, we might be looking at the uh, the future first round pick. All right. Last but certainly not least, we've got the matchup between Penis and the Shelbyville Shelby Villains where the Shelby villains come out on top again with a strong showing of 253.0 to 224.1 for Penis. Uh, this is the second big week in a row for Graham. Uh, it gets him another victory, moves him well into the Europe, the Europa at this point. He is right now the best of the five-win teams, which, I mean, that that's a thing. Uh, largely, he's doing it on the back of, of Dansby Swanson of late, who continues to put up the kind of numbers that are needed to get a big Yankee payday uh, next year. I think I was reading that he, he might be the third, second or third best shortstop in our league this year. Ridiculous. Um, but the rest of his team is still good. And, and for next year, you've still got Brian Reynolds and Andres Jimenez, who both were solid this week. Tony Gonsolin put up just a magical showing against the the Brewers this week. And Christian Javier had yet another good outing. It's got some interesting parts. And now that he's in Europa, he could make some noise. Depending on what that first and potentially second round matchup looks like, he might be able to get a little deeper than, than you would expect a five-win team to. On the other side, we've got Lim. Uh, it's a respectable total. 224.1 is not something to be upset about. Um, and that happened even though that Alec Manoa is looking very pedestrian. He's looking like the dog days of summer have, have done him in. Um, Jesus, L- L- Jesus Lizardo was also looking very rejuvenated. And uh, so did Yandy Diaz, who out of nowhere put up just a massive point total. He's, he's let's be clear though, Lim is solidly in the vase. And he might be able to make some noise in that bracket. We'll we'll have to see. All right, and so that brings us to the halfway point of the show here. Uh, an interesting week. Uh, week week eighteen certainly had some some fun stories. Uh, had some interesting, completely weird alignments where all of the number one seeds faced off against each other. All the number two seeds faced off against each other. We don't have anything quite so storybook uh, in nature this week. Going into week nineteen, as we hit the penultimate matchups of the week. I'm going to dive right in, and just because of the order that the league scoreboard has it in, we're going to talk about my team first. I'm in a currently 
fairly close matchup uh, between myself and Ash with the Moneyballers. Uh, as I'm sitting here late Wednesday night, I do have a current 20-point lead, uh, 93 points to, to his 73. Uh, and that's largely just on the back of just a ridiculous performance from Cole Irvin tonight, who taught the Miami Marlins what a curveball looks like going seven strong with 11 strikeouts of uh, shutout ball. So, you know, love to see that. Uh, and Brady Singer also doing some continuing to be magical this season. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty strong uh, this weekend. And if I'm being honest, I'm feeling strong in this matchup as well. I expect that I will win this matchup and in doing so finally clinch my spot in the playoffs as very likely the fourth seed. All right, next up on my board, I'm looking at Kaminsky's Illuminati facing off against a fellow redacted division rival in RKR's Bash Brothers. Right now, Kaminsky's got a pretty comfortable 17-point lead, up 60 points to 43. Um, you know, I I think that's probably the way this one's going to shake out. I don't really need to, to get too far down the, the proverbial rabbit hole, though I'm not. I, it wouldn't be the first time that I had to call to fact that, uh, you know, RKR has the ability to put up just silly weeks, and he does it a lot against his own division. So, you know, maybe maybe I should be pulling that that vote back from uh, from Kaminsky. But as I mentioned earlier, Kaminsky has the slimmest of slim chances to get in. So let's go ahead and, and put a little wind in his sail and say Kaminsky's going to win this week and keep his chances alive from making the playoffs. And, and unfortunately, that'll leave RKR with a loss. After that, we have the other in-division matchup, uh, this one between the Stadelmont Stars and Club Atletico de Flex. Uh, and right now, Flex has the lead, 79 points to 62 for Stads. But if I'm being honest, I don't see that staying. My pick on this one is going to be Stads uh, all day. Already, Vladimir Guerrero is... is I think he's going to have a, a good week this week. We'll we'll have to find out. But he, he he started strong against Boston. He always seems to hit well in Boston. It makes an awful lot of sense. And let's be honest, Marcus Semyon continues to come on strong. His first half woes well behind him at this point. And then, of course, there's always Shohei Otani. And there's just nothing that I see on Flex's team that is going to be able to get past the amount of, of, of points that Ian's going to be able to put up this week. And that's despite the 17-point lead that he has right now. Okay, and so with that, let's jump over into the uh, the Jeffrey jungle where we've got Chow facing off against Chris, and I think Chow's a little pissed off. I, I think that Chow saw what happened against Ryan last week, saw that he had a chance at the Mad King and uh, didn't get enough oomph behind the swing but against chris he has doubled uh chris's output as chow sits at 106.7 to chris's 53.4 and yeah i don't actually think this one's going to be close uh chow had a 50 point lead after the first day and i think that it's going to be another 50 points on top of it i'm calling a clean 
100-point margin of victory for Chow this week, and I don't think it'll be that difficult for him. Uh, I just don't see anything that Chris can do. Again, Chris is already he's already adding people. He's already making the moves. It's good to see him active. I just don't think that there's enough gas in that tank, regardless of how many times you spin it around for it to actually make the difference. From there, I'm going to jump over to the second of the Jeffrey Jungle Division matchups this week. We've got uh, we got Richard Tillo, actually, with the fourth quarter Jimmy Butler team sitting at 67 points against Jeffrey Lim's penis, uh, which has only managed to put together 60 points. And while on the surface, it's very impressive that a penis has been able to put up 60 points uh, so early way to get it up. Uh, I don't think he's going to be able to penetrate uh, deeply enough into this matchup to even make uh, Tillo feel the presence of penis in this connection. Um, so for me, I'm just going to pick uh, Jimmy Butler. I am going to pick Tillo to, to win this. And it's going to mean that he's, you know, right there. He's still in the running, but I don't think he's going to be able to get enough uh, to to pass Chow this season. I don't think it's going to happen. So Tillo's going to win this week, but in doing so, he's still going to be left sitting in the, the conference sort of final slot, if you will, which, I mean, you know what? That's still, that's still playoffs, baby. Still playoffs. All right. And now next up on my list is the matchup within twice the division division. Uh, this is... Ryan's Mad King team facing off against the director of the FFF BPA in Aiden and Ryan right now uh, clearly bolstered by a new show in uh, his his TV universe uh, with House of the Dragon now being shown on HBO and Crave every Sunday night at 9 o'clock. Uh, Ryan has put up 115 points to Aiden 60. And I think that's going to be the way this goes. I think I think Ryan is getting a little scared that people are seeing him as vulnerable. And I think Ryan's going to push 300 points this week, which should be enough to beat Aiden's 180 handily. And continuing with our division matchups, we've got... The Squirtle Squad facing off against their twice-the-division rivals, the Shelby Villains, who, despite their strong showings these last two weeks, are currently sitting 87 points to Squirtle Squad's 105. So, you know, falling behind uh, just a little bit. And honestly, as I'm as I'm looking at this, it's uh, it could be an okay matchup. It's really going to come down to whether or not the Squirtle Squad can can sort of correct the wrongs that they've had in the uh, in the weeks. Well, at the very least, in last week, which was was pretty grim. Um, but as I'm looking at this, it looks like the Squirtle Squad is going to be able to put up another strong game starts number. Uh, you know, my napkin math says I should be able to get to eight or nine this week. And the Shelbyville villains, Shelby villains will be able to as well. So it, it could be close, but I think I'm still going to have to give the edge to the Squirtle Squad as much as I'd love to see the uh, Shelby villains take down the Squirtle Squad. I just don't think that Graham has quite enough here and now 
to be able to do that. So yeah, I'm gonna gonna go with the squad with my pick for this week. And moving on over to oh, we're apparently jumping over to the evil division of evil, where we've got Garth McKinnis facing off against Jeremiah Johnson. The stubby clap clappers have put up a whopping 142.3 already this week, even though the Chaos Reigns Supreme team has put up a solid 96 on their own right. That's a near 50-point separation. And honestly, I think Garth is going to do it. I do. I am in agreement. Even though Matt Olson is just destroying baseballs tonight with a four RBI outing for Jeremiah, I don't think it's going to be enough. I think that it's going to come down to Garth winning yet again, keeping both the streak alive and the cliche alive as he claws his way back to a near 500 record. This is going to be the clappers over the Supremes. And we might as well stay within the evil division of evil and, in fact, jump into the other host of this podcast, although not here with me today. He's here with me in spirit. Nick the Man Penner is facing off against the Midland Raccoons. And right now, Nick has got a pretty easy 35-point lead, uh, looking at 82.8 to 46.2 as it stands right now. There's no stopping Nick right now that pitching staff of his is built to do damage and damage is what they're going to do i see nick winning this one fairly easily and it's going to be once again on the back of that ridiculous pitching staff as it continues to come together now he's not going to get two from Degrom this week uh but it looks like i think he can get two from verlander which could be enough yeah he should be able to get a second showing from verlander on Sunday uh, in Texas, no less. So, you know, he goes uh, goes back to the home state and just continues to do some some damage, I think. And while Mark has been, you know, he's been doing better, I just don't think he's going to be able to hold off the ridiculous uh, point total that Nick is going to be able to put up this week. So uh, for me, it's going to be Nick and it's going to be easy. All right. And unless I've missed my mark, that brings us to the final matchup of the week. The Husan Alliance facing off against my new arch nemesis, Ben and the Starboys. And right now the Starboys are up 63 points to 40. A nice pedestrian showing from the Starboys this week. How quaint. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think Jamil is going to be able to take down the Star Boys this week because it's going to make for a better story. Because you see, earlier I was saying Nick is just going to run this. He's just going to win. He's going to take it. And in doing so, that is going to put Ben in a very, very difficult predicament if he loses this week. And let's be honest, that's just the better story arc. So this one is going to Jamil. It's going to be amazing to watch i think it will be close even though i'm calling for jamil to win uh ben you're going to lose by strictly more than 0.1 points but i want that to be in your memory that 0.1 points is going to haunt you now for the rest of your days and that's it i've done it 
ladies and gentlemen. This podcast probably a little quicker than we're typically used to, and I do apologize for that. Although I'll point out that uh, with no one to talk to, uh, there's only so many different perspectives I'm allowed to bring before the shrink gets a little more concerned than they need to be. But I will say this has been interesting. It took a fair amount of work. I actually put in Uh, If I'm counting about two and a half hours of preparation for this, which is humbling to see that that only netted me about 40 minutes of actual airtime. So that's been a a revelation in its own right. But I sincerely hope that you all enjoyed this and that it uh, still filled a meaningful hole in uh, in our fantasy lives such that we can uh, celebrate this league and the managers that we have in it as we get closer to the playoffs two weeks left no time to take the pedal off the metal every cliche you think of get it in play now is the time we're talking about the playoffs we play to win the games thank you again everyone for this uh wonderful opportunity wonderful chance to talk to you this week and i guess i need to sign it off in the classic style Good night and good fantasy.